You're listening to Have Mike Will Travel with Elizabeth Santry. Hi, I'm Elizabeth. Welcome to the show. This podcast is about creativity, the professional aspects of creativity. Well, you could also say it's about creative thinking. You see, a career in a creative profession typically means carving your own path and making a lot of important decisions alone. And when competition is fierce and the market's uncertain, getting firsthand insight can really help. Join me as I interview full-time creative professionals and ask them to reflect on these really important moments in their career. Each episode, my guests open up about significant and sometimes even subtle choices that have led to their success. I know it can feel lonely out there, so I hope you find their stories as inspiring as I do. That's Leon Ward. She usually sings while she works. She had us meet at her studio. It's an industrial space. It's like on the top floor of a building in Peckham. She is a fashion photographer, and she's also a really dear friend. This episode was recorded in London. To be honest, I started this podcast interviewing friends, and that's really for two reasons. One, because you've got to start somewhere. But the other one is I have really talented friends who have amazing stories and experiences. I was so glad to sit down with her because she's not only a rising star in her industry, but she really, really gets the show and the messages that I'm trying to share with others. I don't always get to know so much about my guests beforehand. So it was really easy to talk to her. She was an absolute open book, and it was a blast. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, Leon. Uh, thanks for having me in your studio. Um, last time I was in this part of the world, you were in a different part of London. Hello. <laughs> You're in Peckham. I am Yeah. in Peckham. How do you like the neighborhood? I love it. I wanted to move here for quite a long time now I'm and I'm finally here so yeah I'm I'm loving it so talk me through the process of getting to London because you're f- clearly from your accent you are from Dublin I'm from Dublin and oh, <laughs> I see <laughs> or Balia oh okay is it in Guelga yeah I like that what was the process to getting to London and when did you know that you had to be here versus stay at home in Ireland? I don't know. I always think about it like when was the time that I actually thought of moving to London. It was actually when myself and my best friend Fiona were sick and we had food poisoning. I mean, we were just like, you know what, I'm kind of sick of, of Dublin. I don't want to do nursing and I don't want to do, what was I doing? I was studying music at the time, classical music. So we'd both just finished school. And it was like six months into when we actually finished secondary school. We were really into fashion at the time. And we were like, let's just, let's just go on to Google and see what's out there. So we just typed into Google, London, universities, fashion. And of course, like LCF came up, LCC for art, everything. And we were like this could actually be a thing as we, you know, were suffering with food poisoning. <laughs> so then the next day, I remember I, I had to tell my dad. Um, it was like three days had passed from when I was supposed to go back to uni for classical music. It was a degree in classical music and French. And I was nearly failing everything in, in French. And I tried my poor little heart out at every single French class that I did in uni. I just failed everything. I felt bloody everything. I couldn't do it. 
music I was doing pretty well in, but like there was like a, a thousand people in my class and I really wasn't enjoying it. So I was like, I'm just going to apply for London. I applied for like a, just a foundation course in LCF. It's just literally, it was called Fashion Foundation. Yeah. I was like, okay, I'm just going to, I'm just going to apply for this. I didn't tell my dad and I got in. And then I was like, okay, cool, yeah, call Fifi up. I was like, Fee, I got in. She's like, yeah, I got in too to St. Martin's. So you're like, okay, so next thing to do is, you know, tell our family. So like three days had passed from when I was supposed to be in uni in, in Dublin. And I still hadn't told my dad that I wasn't going back. So I remember sitting at the kitchen table and I was like, dad? And he's like, um, Leon, are you not supposed to be in college? I was like, I've got something to tell you. I'm not actually going back to college. And he's like, I knew it. I knew it. And he's like, no, 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 don't get angry because I'm about to say something really that you're not thinking at all. And I just said, I want to move to London. And he just like, he nearly dropped his cup of tea. He was like, um, what? <laughs> he definitely thought like, I was just like the biggest weirdo. He was like, no, you're not moving to London. I was like, no, no, I, like, I already got in. It's definitely happening. Don't worry, I've got it all set up. I already got a full-time job at American Apparel, and which I did. I specifically, when I gave out CVs, to just get everything started first. So I knew when I was approaching my dad, I would come across that I had everything sorted. Yes. And actually he took it he actually took it okay I think money is always I, I think an Irish dad is money is their priority for their children for them and that is the reason why it's really important to them it's like it's in their head they're just going through a textbook they're like the right thing for you to do as a parent is get your kid to college let her or him graduate and they'll be fine yeah but I don't know, I was not happy in Dublin. I had my friends and family, of course, but um, education-wise, it was doing absolutely fuck all for me. Yeah. So that was me gone. Yeah. And so at what point, how long did it take to feel at home or, or maybe even just to solidify that you had made the right choice? Because it sounds kind of drastic what you had done. Straight away. Straight, straight away. away. Yeah, straight away because it was build up for me. So I worked for a year to get the money together in American Apparel. So even that year, I was already itching to go. The minute I got over here, I had to sleep on, um, my dad doesn't even know this. If, if he hears <laughs> this, he's actually gonna kill me because he doesn't even know this. I had to sleep on my friend's floor for three weeks in Elephant and Castle because we were looking for somewhere to stay. And even then, I knew, I was like, that's it. Actually, do you know how I knew? I had a big crush on Ash Thymest, the model with all the tattoos. And our very first night out, this girl I never met before, we went into Shoreditch when it was all like cool and hip or whatever. And we went into this club and I remember Ash Thymest was there. And he was like my, my dream at this time. This was five years ago. And he turned to me and he goes, I like your hair. I was like, oh my God, I'm in London. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when I was just like, yeah okay it really didn't take a lot for me to get settled in here though it was really natural yeah you sound like well you sound like you had it figured out in terms of what you wanted yeah yeah for sure That's yeah I've amazing. never I've never once like ever regretted the move if anything I I haven't a clue where I'd be if I didn't make that move to London 
Yeah. Even New York, Paris, Milan, anywhere. I would choose London over absolutely anywhere. It must be nice. I mean, that sometimes it's a topic that comes up in the show about finding your people and finding a place where you belong. I think sometimes when people are creative or they can feel a bit different yeah. and not like they belong. And so yeah. it's just great to hear a story where you, you pretty much knew, you followed your instinct and your gut. Because I yeah. think that's another theme that comes across in these episodes is about just trusting yourself and yeah. listening. And you did just that at a young age yeah. and it paid off. Yeah, no, for sure. You just have to go with it. And in terms of friends and stuff, they, they come along and I was just lucky enough to just find a really good group of friends who I think the main thing is, is wasn't in fashion, which is very important because, you know, I went over with the intention of 100% being a successful fashion photographer, but I didn't have any intention in making friends in fashion. I wanted to keep the two separate and then I've, you know, I've got, as people say, fashion friends, but my friends aren't actually based in fashion. They're, you know, graphic design, illustrators, stuff like that, but I think it's really important to get your base together when you move somewhere. And I think that's what I did. I just surrounded myself with like really, really good people who definitely supported everything I did. And I think that's part of the reason of why I'm here today, I guess. Well, it sounds like also um, there's no real issue of competition and threat and people misunderstanding your yeah. efforts because they feel like London can be kind of tough to break into. Yeah, um, for sure. People feel definitely. that there's competition. So you're in school, you've switched schools at this point, and yep. you're, you're studying now. When did you discover photography as like the path? Was it school? It was before I moved to London, but then when I went to LCC, and no, sorry, I went to um, LCF and I did the, the foundation in fashion, but in that we were doing a couple of things. So we were doing styling, we were mm. doing photography, the whole shebang. And straight away, it was, it was, I always saw the tutors pushing me to do photography because I guess that that's where I stood out and that's where I was most passionate about as well. I just dived straight into photography, just shot all my friends, started shooting with 35mm, Polaroids, anything I could get my hands on, throwaway cameras. And there wasn't many people doing it at that time. Of course, there were people doing it, but... Everyone was stuck on SLR cameras. That alone was like unique enough to the teachers for them, I guess, to see that I was, I don't know, different or something. So they were pushing me more and more. But then it led on to doing another course, obviously a degree course, which was important to me. But I think it's also fair to say that it wasn't my main priority at all. I definitely wanted to just... At this point, it was like I got a taste for the business side of it. Not even the business side, but just got an idea that if you just do editorials yourself out of your own pocket, it doesn't matter um, what degree you have. If people like it, they like it. And I think that is the best thing that happened to me because I was assisting this German photographer called Timur Seligdag. He shoots for Vogue, he shoots for everyone. He was really, really good. And that was the first and only ever assistant job that I did. Wow. Anyone I come across, assistants that I use myself or photographers, they can never believe that I just did three months of assisting. I got everything I wanted out of those three months. And my priorities when I was assisting were who I was going to meet, what I was going to learn. And it was more like 
the basics. You know, I wasn't there for the technical part because, of course, he had his first and second assistants who were just whizzes. There was no competing with those. So I was there to just learn the basics of just how the fuck to talk to people, you know, talk to people, how to speak to model agencies, who to be nice to, who to be shit to, who to be firm to, who to be, you know, who to stand up to, things like that I had no idea about. I still go back on my Gmail and see my old emails and see how I speak to people and it's so, it's so naive and just from working for those three months of assisting with teamwork, I learned so much and if I was ever to give advice to someone, I would always say just get some assisting in because you learn so, so much and I just introduced myself to anyone and everyone I met but not stepping on anyone's toes. I always said, I'm Timor's assistant. If you need anything, I'm here. So when it came to me being the photographer, they already knew who I was. So they already gained respect for me like a year before that. That was really important, I think. Yeah, that's amazing. That's really good advice. And I mean, it is pretty quick. That's not the standard uh, process time to be an assistant. So, but. I take that as, you know, I feel like you've got a pretty clear vision of what you want and what you're doing. What I would also love is to talk about if you, like, basically on the same point of what you're just saying, but do you remember, like, the thing that got you noticed and, like, where, like, that moment of being professionally noticed or that thing that kind of just launched you? And, like, if at all, there was a way that, you know... Would you ever do it, have it done it differently? You know, I'm, I'm looking for it as yeah. more as to share with other people as insight. Definitely, I remember the, the moment where I realized, like, okay, I'm getting somewhere, was when I did my first shoot for ID, and it was um, street casting. Street casting wasn't, you know, it, no one was doing it at the time, and we had gone through the street casting agency that had just started by this guy called Joel, People were into it, but it wasn't a thing. You know, you see street casts all the time in editorials now. Five years ago, I'm sounding like a granny, like five years ago. (laughs) But seriously, five years ago, it wasn't a thing. And the ID fashion editor at the time, Elgar Johnson, who's now actually with Man About Town, he saw it straight away. And he commissioned us right away when he saw it. He was like, this is cool. Yes, straight away. And we did a whole shoot on four street cast boys and it went straight up on ID. And that's when the work started to come in. And that's mm. when the printed editorial started to come in. And it was as simple as just casting. Using boys who wasn't model. It's as simple as just an idea like that. And also the fact that I was using 35 mil as well. That was quite unique, I guess you could say, at the time. So that's definitely the point where I saw this is going to get me somewhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that then, was the beginning, definitely. So what was going through your mind and what does go through your mind even today about developing a body of work that showcases what you do? I mean, I'm hoping you can share some insight as to, like, the editing process. It's really hard to edit yourself, especially, like, I don't know, as a photographer, I, you know, I studied photography as well, and I can see how hard it can be sometimes to edit yourself when you have such a passionate connection to the material and the mm-hmm. content that you're shooting. You have to build this portfolio to speak to the agencies, to to magazines. Like, what are you fulfilling in these images? Are you trying to hit, like, 
certain brands, get the right model in, or have certain level, certain images that are yeah. color versus black and white? Like, yeah. what goes through your mind to build the ideal collection? You can be vague enough to... I don't... Perfectly honest, I don't think of any of those. So I what just, do you think of? I think of... I have a list of ideas, and I take each idea for just its own project, and I just do it. I just, you know... So say I just did a... I just did a sister's story for Law Magazine. And I streetcasted with my lovely assistant, Doyle. We streetcasted five pairs of sisters. And that's what I do. I go out and 90% of it is, 80% of it is finding the right girls. 20% of it is, yeah, we'll get the lighting together. I've got to shoot at my studio. But the main part of when I'm doing an idea like that is I never think of what people are going to think anymore. And that is the, the one lesson that I've definitely learned over the past couple of years is if you sit there and think, what are people going to think about this? You'll get nowhere. Mm-hmm. It will just eat you inside. There's no point because at this point, you know, you know what part of your work looks good and what doesn't. So you just got to like go with it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, planning wise, it's like you're just doing it as your everyday. You just get your cast perfect, get the whole day right, get the right stylist, get the right makeup artist, and once you have the right team, it's crazy what a good team will do. Once you have your little click, your little team, the rest you're fine. Mm-hmm. You're, you're fine when you've got that team. Mm-hmm. And tell me, like you're super. I mean, comparison to some of the other people I talked to who've been in there fields a little bit longer it seems like you really ride on reputation because you don't have a legacy of 20 years under your belt to say Mm -hmm. I'm Leon Ward this is what I do Mm -hmm. it seems like reputation so uh, what is your work ethic and and reputation like what were you taught as as a young person that has developed you to become this person I really don't know I think I was a little brat when I was younger, but like a brat in terms of like I didn't eat my vegetables, but anything else, I was free to do what I want, but my dad was always so strict to me. My dad used to say, do what you want, but watch your back. Watch your back. He always says that to me. Whether I was stealing his phone and like doing prank calls on the police, he used to always say, and he's neck used to like have this one vein that popped out and scared the shit out of me and he'd be like do what you want but just watch your back I kind of feel like that's how it is now with my career because it's like I'm gonna do what I want I know there's boundaries you know I I know I'm like this is my job it's not a joke anymore I kind of feel like that's that's how it is yeah yeah and also just like keep yourself healthy keep yourself good I wanted to talk to you about I, how much I love that you seem to be willing to ask for help and you seem to be willing to to approach things like on mm-hmm. a, such a sincere, honest, open level. Like I, just on a personal note, I, I remember one time I was in your company and I was, I think I was on my phone writing an email and like just sort of thinking out loud like, oh gosh, I need to, I need to get this person to help me with blah, blah, blah. And I was wording it in such a way and you said something so like, well, why don't you just say... And it was the most basic, like, I need help for this kind of thing. And it was funny how that hadn't dawned on me to be so obvious about what I needed and what I wanted. And I see yeah. that in your work process. You're, it's just really sincere. 
from I think that's from working with a lot of people as well. Whereas I've come across a lot of people in the industry that they're just like, well, if you want it, get it. So if I'm confident enough that I'm going to give them the final product that they want, like, well, then what is the problem in saying to them, you know, oh, can I have this? Or can I just ask you this really stupid question? But it's not even a stupid question. It's just something I don't really know how to explain it. I just, mm. if I know I'm going to get the answer from someone and it's a really easy question, I won't feel embarrassed. I'll just ask them like really quick and then I can just get on with my day and just <laughs> do it, you know? If I know it's going to help me and if I know it's going to help my work, well, then I'll do fucking anything, you know? Mm-hmm. Whether it's to be embarrassed or look stupid, I'll just do it. Well, I mean, I've been sort of using this reference point of your age and your experience throughout. I mean, I think it's great that you are on the show because you bring a different perspective. I have been talking to people most often who are a little bit older Mm. by like a good 10, if not 15 years. Do they all go to uni? No, and I think that's great because I think there's a really open dialogue about that. There's a couple things that this show is sort of, Mm -hmm. there's repetitive themes that are coming up, and I love that each guest has a different and very clear perspective on each thing, but... Mm -hmm. I think it gets seen as um, being young is so convenient and fun and cool, Mm -hmm. but I'm sure there's some roadblocks to being of a certain age and proving yourself and getting credibility. Mm -hmm. Like, what is that like? I think times are changing at the minute. When I started at University College at Camberwell, I did fine arts. And I, I remember when I first started, so this was three years ago, I definitely went into the mind frame that I was only doing it for my dad. And that is my hand in my heart. I was doing that degree for my father and he was the only one I was doing it for and at this point I had already been doing published editorials but I didn't tell anyone in my class what I was up to I just kind of went in and did my thing and did my collages and they loved it and I loved everyone else's work but I never felt like I was supposed to be there Mm. never never ever ever did I every group project every every crit I never felt like I had to be there. I enjoyed it for the people, but it just didn't feel right. And then I finished first year. So halfway during second year, I was in my second year show. So there's a big show that all the UAL put on. And we were in Shoreditch Town Hall. That's where it was on. And I just showed my piece, got criticized, got great compliments, everything by like 15 of classmates and the the main tutor and my friend uh, Lucy was trying to call me and I was like oh she keeps calling me I'm in my crib this is really important <laughs> and she keeps messaging me like you need to answer your phone right now Lucy's one of my really good friends who started just like me but she is a stylist and she worked really closely with the stylist who my photographer Timor worked with. So we oh. so we met on shoes. So she was like mini stylist. I was like mini photographer. Oh. So that's where that whole little click started. That's cool. So she's calling me and texting me. I'm like, okay, fine. And she's like, you're not going to believe this. I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, we're shooting a worldwide uh, Adidas Originals campaign in two weeks. I haven't been able to tell you because it's only been confirmed and I'm in my second year course here, Chris, where I just had like 20-year-olds saying, it could be more conceptual. Maybe is his head trying to symbolize the sunshine or sunrise? And I'm like, no, bitch, it's his, it's his head. 
It's his face. He looks good. That's all it is. Like, it's his face. Anyway, so I'm like, okay, um, I'm going to call you back, Luz. So I'm like standing there, like trying to keep a brave face. I know people are already looking at me like, what's she going on about? Like, why is she so happy? And I was like, okay, right, I'm just going to try get through this and <laughs> it'll be fine. So I already whispered. I couldn't keep it in. I whispered to a guy beside me. She, he's like, you sound like you just won the lotto. And I was like, I basically did just win the lotto. Like, yeah. So I just left. I just walked out. Of the crit? I walked out of the crit. I uh, took my bag. I left everything there. I think I even left my scarf there. Um, uh, I just walked out. And I, I rang Lucy back. And she's like, just get your ass to my house right now. And I just went to hers. And I was just reading all these emails that we were sent. And I was full on doing it. I was like, oh my days. Yeah. It was just full on. That's what was happening. So it was, we had to go to Nuremberg, which is where the headquarters are of Adidas Originals. I was so not ready for this that I actually arrived at the Adidas Originals headquarters with a pair of Nike um, Air Forces on me. (laughs) This is like, you know, that is like the one sin to do. That's how, you know, not ready I was for this. I was prepared, but like, yeah, my young self, I was like, yeah, I'm ready for this. But I obviously didn't take everything into consideration. And was that was that a signal, like enough of a signal to you professionally that this was a trend? Because, you know, so often it could have been a blip. It could have been a one time. It could have been just like a, a thing. It's, I think yeah. it's really hard for people to know what to do with work when it comes in. You don't know if it's consistent. You yeah. don't know if this is a trend, yeah. a way of life. Yeah. You're about to segue into leaving school yeah no i i knew this was gonna be big and something told me i'm a firm believer of just you know if you've got a good feeling about it just go with it and i just went with that and i went with it for a good reason and you know everything about it was legit the people were speaking to and the best part i liked about it was all the briefs they sent us and everything it was all about our work so it wasn't like they were just getting anyone's in it was full winter 13 that's what the campaign was it was all based around our work that we had spent all of our money on and everything on like every weekend that me and lucy had We used to work in cafes, bars. Every Saturday, I guarantee you, we were shooting. Mm -hmm. Street casts, anyone we could get our hands on. Lucy was getting clothes from anywhere she had. So she was working at GQ Style at the time. So she was getting these big names that she was just pulling from the office. (laughs) And I was just like shooting on the Poundland film. And just the beauty of that coming together, I guess, was picked up on by these big, massive corporate people. So I went back after probably around two and a half weeks of solid planning of this shoot. I went back into uni. <laughs> and I was really, really nervous. Were you a nervous. different woman? I was, changed? I was really nervous. And I remember that I wasn't confident at all. I was honestly really nervous because I still had the mind frame like, I've been gone. So I, you know, I didn't think like, oh, they're going to praise me. I was like... I've missed school for two weeks. That's how I saw it, you know? Mm. I was like, I've been missing for two weeks. They're not going to care why I've been gone for that long. I didn't go into the class. I went into the office where the advisor is and my there was four tutors. 
And there was one tutor, John, shout out John, who I got on so well with. And he turned around to me and I obviously, I explained everything to them from when I went out of the crit, everything. And John turned around to me and he said, Leon, can I just say one thing to you? And I was like, yeah, sure. I'm thinking I'm going to get it. I'm like, oh my God, here we go. He's like, what the fuck are you doing here? And I'm just like, whoa, he just cursed me. What? It's <laughs> like, what the fuck are you doing here? You don't need to be here. And he was like, this is the first time I've ever said this in my whole teaching career of 20 years. You don't need to be here. And I don't mean that in a, a horrible way. I mean, go fly your wings. I remember he said that. I was like, oh, that's like a Mariah Carey song. <laughs> he was like, you go do your thing. If you want to come back, go back. But he was like, you just go for it. So I, I, was, I was basically yeah. told to leave. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, I have a recollection of, this, of all this going down from my own perspective as well. I just love hearing it from you. Mm-hmm. But I, I remember sort of saying something similar, like school will always be there. This, yeah, this moment and school will, will always be there. Yeah. But to this day, I, I would 100% not have been doing the work that I've been doing if I stayed in uni. Yeah. But saying that, you know, I think uni does help people, like university degrees, definitely. 100%, like, to each is their own. Right, because I know it can feel a lot of responsibility and pressure to yeah. tell people, I quit school, and is yeah. that some similar thing to, to recreate or to yeah. mimic? And I understand that you want to be socially thoughtful and not just yeah, say out for loud, sure. quit school. I, that's why we're here to talk about, like, you going through the emotional, the rational, the financial reasons well, yeah, that led that you was... to a decision, because you re- it, this wasn't a fluke. No, You I seemed think to be onto time... something, and it happened for you. That's I great. think the moment the pressure kicked in of the decision that I was about to make of leaving university was when I was standing in the hallway and John, my tutor, said, you've got to call your dad and you've got to be straight with him and say to him, you've got to do this. My mum passed away and it was as if my mum wrote a letter saying, make Leon go to uni, mm-hmm. even though she didn't. He felt obliged. Mm. That was his one thing was for me to do well which in his eyes meant go to uni and get a degree i'll never forget that phone call i will to the day i die i will never forget the phone call of saying to him that i was gonna leave and that's when the pressure hit me trying to tell your dad but it's adidas originals but it's this but it's that but it's this amount of money but it's that i'm working with he doesn't care you know and i think that's the important thing is like that's like flashback to the real world. It's like, what is Adidas Original? It's a brand. Leon, who are you trusting here? You know what I mean? Yeah. And that was definitely the wake-up call of like, okay, am I doing the right thing here? And am I getting just morphed into this because it's, you know, this really cool brand and all these people who really like my work, are they going to take my work from me? Are they going to do this? Are they going to do that? And that is definitely the moment I, I felt the pressure because saying... That to my dad was just like telling him I was like a drug addict. Like that was, oh that was, it was tough. Right. It was like, you need to trust me. And I could hear it in his voice. He semi-trust me. Oh, right, right. But I can finally say after all this time, he does. Yeah. 
He does trust me because yeah. he knows how you know how things have gone. It's gone really well now. For like anyone in that the same boat, you know, if you've got to go through that, you just have to promise them. But you've got to be confident yourself. Yeah. As I said, I I just went for it and I just had a good feeling about it. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I just did it. Well, I need to segue into one last bit. I know that you dabble with singing and stuff, but I really wanted to give you a chance to talk about. I didn't. I don't know if. Music and music videos is something that you're, you know, into. You've mentioned it a little bit. I like to end the show with giving people an opportunity to talk about what's next or what really inspires them mm-hmm. or what they're working on in the moment. And I didn't know if, if you have mentioned it on the fly to me, and I wanted to give you the opportunity to sort of set yourself up because mm-hmm. these, this interview will probably come out in a few months, and sometimes it's nice for them to, like, come out when something's actually happening. I don't know. I just wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about if you are going to try to give it a go. Yeah, so I, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so I'm signed with RSA, um, which is also in partnership with Black Dogs. And Black Dogs has music video directors, some really, really, really good names. And when I signed with RSA, one of the first things I said to my agent now is... I have been saying for months now that I really want to do music videos. I have no intention in doing fashion films. Oh, okay. I want to go straight into music videos because I've got a whole lot of emotions. <laughs> I've got a whole lot of thoughts up there that fashion films isn't going to do it. I want to go straight into music so videos. So you are? Okay, that's fantastic. So it sounds like you're in good hands. You're with the, group of, you're with yeah. the right group. Yeah, that's and it's going to be starting... I've got, um, I'm going to New York and LA in a couple of weeks and it's all, it's all starting there. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Well, then I hope, I would love for this uh, interview to come out and timing. If you do find some project or do end up yeah, doing something, yeah. that would be so fabulous. Well, Leanna, I love you to death and I'm so grateful. I love you, Mama. <laughs> I'm so grateful you're on the show. I really appreciate you inviting me here and letting this happen. Uh, you are professional as shit, I have to say. For, for as well as we know each other, I think you handled it quite After well. After how much red wine we've drank. <laughs> you, know, you weren't supposed to mention that bit. <laughs> All right, officially signing off. Bye. Thanks for listening. Be sure to show your support through comments and reviews. 